Oh, you want me to start talking? Yeah, dude. Fire away. Oh, this is a podcast. It's called Recovered AF. <clears throat> um, we talk Do it with more energy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is called <laughs> the Recovered AF podcast. Was that better? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a podcast where Kyle and I talk about a lot of shit. Sometimes it's recovery based. Sometimes it's not, right? We had some people on a few weeks ago that were pretty anti... I don't want to say they were anti-12-step, but they're definitely not 12-step folk. Uh, they have their own thing. Anyway, so, but um, but we have guests on the show. Sometimes they're in 12-step recovery programs. Sometimes they're not. Um, and Kyle's going to give us a disclaimer. Yeah, hey, uh, we do this disclaimer in every episode. We just want to make it very clear that... Uh, Recovered AF, the podcast, is not affiliated with any 12-step organization. Uh, those organizations don't have spokespeople or representatives. And if they did, they would not pick Aaron especially um, <laughs> or myself. <laughs> but but uh, they, we don't speak for them. Aaron and I have both participated in a 12-step uh, world on our own, but that doesn't mean we, we speak for them. Um, Aaron uses an analogy of a grocery store that's really long, so I'm not going to do that. But and pretty spot on. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> and amazing. We have experience with that, but on this podcast, we talk about all kinds of stuff that doesn't have to relate to 12-step stuff. And if our guests are on, that doesn't mean they're affiliated or spokespeople for those organizations either, basically. Yeah, especially today's guests. We're just sharing yeah. our own experience. As it relates to whatever it is that we're doing. That's right. Yeah. So okay. you want to introduce our guest? Yeah. Too? Our guest name is Dan, but we've had a guest named Dan on before, but this is not that Dan. This is a different Dan. This is a different Dan. Yeah. Um, and so like I talk you know, a, a lot about all the different times I tried to get sober. Well, there were three times. And the second time I got here in 2012, and that was the time I uh, actually got a sponsor and got into the steps and... Uh, experienced a, uh, a psychic change, and uh, and I had a sponsor at that time. It's weird that I've had three sponsors all with the same name, but hey, what yeah, do you, you have? <laughs> whatever. Uh, and oh, so, awesome. yeah, and so, um, and and now now he's just my buddy, and 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 I'd known Dan since the first time I tried to get sober. He's one of the few people that have been around that entire time since 1996, the first time I tried to get sober. Wow. Yeah, we were, you know, sort of hung out. You were about the closest person in age to me, and you were pretty normal, I mean, really, compared to what was, you know, going around those days. All right. <laughs> so I just want to welcome Dan. What's up, buddy? How are you? It's going good, thanks. Yeah, um, things are good, man. I'm glad to be here, and... Uh, been listening to your podcast as well as other podcasts while I travel, and so it's just kind of cool to be a part of one. And it's awesome. And uh, n no rehearsing, coming in cold. Yeah. yeah. So I, I figure that's the best <laughs> way, you know. Yeah. That is the best way. Yeah. I don't know if you ever had to get up and share your story and thought about the things that you were going to hit on when you were up there for an hour, and then as soon as you got up there, it all just went out the it window. Vaporizes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's sort of like that, pretty yeah. much. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So usually where we kick these things off um, is, uh, since you know, Dan is one of our 12-step buddies, is we ask you what your introduction to the 12-steps were, what your first experience to the 12-step world was. What was that for you? Yeah, so... You know, I talked to you yesterday and, and, and asked, you know, kind of what the structure of the, the structure of this would be and, you know, kind of how it would go. And so I could think about it a little bit, you know, and I was thinking back to my introduction to 
AA, and I was, I think I was about 15. Wow. And, um, I, you know, I was, I was out of control from pretty, pretty young on. I, I'd take a drink, and that switch would get flipped, and, and I could not get it unflipped. Could not. It was beyond my power to do that. And, uh, I mean, I may, I may have had a couple, you know, a couple incidents of drinking where it wasn't that big of a deal and it was a pretty good time and it was a pretty good night or, or whatever. But for the most part, from, from the beginning, I was, uh, out of control type of drinking. And so about 15, I remember, you know, I, I went to the YMCA and I was working out and, and my mom said, Hey, I'm going to come pick you up and then I want you to meet some people. I was like, well, okay. And so, so I got done working out and she, she was out in front of the YMCA and, and, and we went over to Sherry's and there were a couple guys sitting in a booth, you know, a couple, I don't know, 30 somethings, maybe close to 40. <laughs> and, uh, here's what I remember about that. They, you know, they introduced themselves and I was like, okay. And, 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 you know, I mean, from early on, I knew I had a problem. From early on, it wasn't one of these things where, you know, once I graduated from college, it really took off and, and I really got nuts and, and all that. It was not like that for me. I could not hide the fact that I had a problem from a very young age. And uh, so, so I knew I knew that meeting them applied to me in some way. Um, I, 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 it just wasn't my time. And, but I remember them, it turned into a whose story was crazier between these two guys. Is oh. what it turned into. And I was like, so I got a ways to go, <laughs> yeah, man. Good, right? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a, I got a little ways to go here. So <laughs> Textbook. They must have gotten that one out of the literature. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm sure I gave off the vibe. But that was my, that was my introduction. And then, and then it was a short time after that that I ended up in treatment. And that was down in Fort Collins and went away for a while. Yeah. Now, did you have any um, alcoholism or addiction in your family where you kind of were like, oh, yeah, I kind of know what a problem is or what the problem is? Or is it kind of new to you? Or No. Well, so there's a bunch of drunks in our family, but it's not like... I hung out with a lot of them or, or knew them on that level. I mean, I was a kid, right? Mm-hmm. And so I didn't see what was going on at night or, or in their homes or, or whatever. You know, you just, a lot of drunks in the family, but, but I didn't have a lot of experience with them either, you know? So I don't, I don't know if that's a, a good answer to that question or not, Yeah. you know, but I, I knew I had a problem. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, and there was one thing I was talking to Aaron about yesterday for just a minute, and and I was talking with Fran about yesterday, as, or the last few days, actually, you know, and, and I was thinking back, and so what I do is every so often I, I'll chew on something, right? Thought will pop in my head, and I'll, I'll chew on it for a while, maybe several days. And the most recent one for me was, because I don't remember my... I don't know about you guys, but I don't remember my childhood like a lot of people. There's a lot of people out there, and they'll say stuff. Oh, yeah, I remember when I was four, and my dad did this, and then my mom did that, and then we did this. And I'll be like, man, I don't remember any of that stuff. And it's not like I grew up in this home where there was this crazy trauma going on all the time, and you know, I had to shut down or, or whatever that is. But I don't remember 
a lot of my childhood. I just don't. But so here's what I do remember now that I've thought about it a little. Um, I mean, I was so maladjusted before I ever took a drink. I was so out of touch. And I mean, I couldn't see myself the way the world seen me. I, I felt inadequate to, to extremes, you know, really, really on all levels. And now when I look back, it's like, well, that's really dumb, you know, because I was a smart kid. I was a good baseball player. I was athletic. I was funny. I was, I mean, I had a lot of, you know, things going on, but boy, not in my head, not in my head. I didn't, you know, and I didn't, you know, I just, I was just really maladjusted. I didn't know how to stick with something. I didn't know how to put my all into something. I was afraid of everything. And, and then I took a drink. Hmm. And so it was like, you know, it was like a, you know, warm Southern winds meets Canadian front. And, and here I am. So anyway. No, that's something I can really identify with is like uh, being maladjusted from that young age. When I look back and remember talking about, you know, talking from the podium one time and like the, the defining thing that I could remember from my life was just being in fear all of the time and just um, that awkwardness of not knowing like what what my place was. And, and I don't know how much of that, you know, um, you know, uh, other people feel or people that aren't in a 12 step program feel, but um I know that the fear was the absolutely dominating factor in my life. And then, uh, you know, I wasn't, you know, you were already, you were already getting 12 stepped at 15. I didn't take my first drink till I was 15, but like, the, like you had just described or, um, our friend Derek talked about, uh, he, he talked about it from the podium, but you know, when he took that first drink, it was, uh, equivalent of, of, you know, taking a deep breath that he'd been holding for an entire lifetime, you know, and finding the solution to that fear and that what, what ailed me. And then, I mean, how does anybody compete with that? You know, once you have experienced that solution, then, w w you know, what else is there? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was thinking my mom, we had my mom on the podcast on an episode, and um, we asked her what she thought I was like as a child versus how, like, I perceived it. And she thought of, like, all the, she said all these nice things and kind of like you were just saying, like, I was a decent athlete, I was good in school, and, like, all I re remember was just feeling incredibly inadequate at like everything like I just did not fit in at all and uh so I can relate a lot to that because that's how I grew up too was like on the outside you would perceive Kyle's life is probably all right you know but in internally I am just like dying I'm rotten to the core on the inside of just inadequacy and fear and uh then I drank too and then it was like oh when I drink it's not like it was the opposite for me, but it was almost like that stuff just kind of quieted down. You know, it's not like I became the life of the party and I thought I was the coolest dude ever, but it just mellowed out where I could be okay with the world around me, which is scary because I drank at 15 too, and it's scary to be 15 and needing alcohol to feel like part of life, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that's crazy. So when you went to treatment, was that, did it stick at that point or what eventually got you to permanent sobriety and going through the work and stuff? Yeah. So, so no, it didn't stick. So it was my third go around where I finally got cleaned up and stayed cleaned up. And, uh, so I went to treatment at 15, 
came home. I think it was like six or eight months. I went to I went to meetings and it was, you know, it was a bunch of old people sitting around smoking cigarettes and drinking, you know, horrible coffee. I wasn't a coffee drinker as a kid. <laughs> and uh but but I mean I couldn't that aside I could not deny that I mean I I was a I had a lot of problems and you know booze was one of them mm-hmm. it was probably the the chief one amongst them right because it had the, the world could see it I couldn't hide it but but anyway so I went for about 6 or 8 months and I was like man this you know Everybody at school was like, yeah, good job, Dan. And I was just, man, I just wanted to have a beer, man. <laughs> and uh, so, I, you know, we went out, you know, one night, and I'd be hanging around everybody, and they're, they're you know, drinking. And finally one night I was like, I'm done with this. Yeah. And so I was off and running. And then I, I was off and running until, God, I think I was 18 maybe. And yeah, 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 yeah. So I'd gotten in trouble with the law and, uh, at 18 and I thought, man, this, you know, this is still a problem here. So I'm, I'm have all these problems in my head and then I compound them by putting the problem of booze on top of it. And then I go out and I do something that I would never do. (laughs) I mean, I would never do it. It would never cross my mind, but you get some, some liquor in me, boy. And I did it. And, Mm -hmm. and so I got cleaned up then, and that lasted, I don't know, I think I got a one-year chip even at that point. And then, you know, once the once the dust settled and people weren't riding me and stuff, I was like, okay, we're going to do it again, but we're going to do it this way. And we're going to, you know, we're going to control this. Right. You, so is that, that was gonna, my question. You started to try and control your drinking at that point then, right? Oh, yeah. Like, clearly the point is that I just drink too much if I just could maybe... Yeah. Tone it down a little bit. Is so, sort of what you were trying to do in your so early twenties. So I remember, I remember the night now that we're talking about this that I decided I'm going to start drinking again. And here's what I did that night. So I took my mom's car and I went down to Plush Q, down to the pool hall, right. And I was just going to play some pool, but what I really wanted to do was drink some beer. Mm-hmm. And I mean, everybody I knew at that point really was in AA. Mm-hmm. So who am I going to call to go drink some beer? So I didn't call no one. <laughs> so I went, I went and got a 12-pack of beer, and I put it in the seat next to me in my mom's car cruising around town. And I thought, okay. So I think you can work those 12 steps and drink beer at the same time. <laughs> and so I remember telling myself, for each beer I drink, I'm, that's, I cracked one to step one. I'm powerless <laughs> over alcohol. Yeah, I'm powerless over alcohol. No shit. Take a drink, burp. Yeah, but life's good, right? Yeah, life's good. And so that that is, uh, I forgot all about that. So that, yeah, so I controlled my drinking for like two, two times of going out drinking. And then by the third time, it was, you know, blathering, blithering, idiot, you know, having to go to the emergency room because I got in a scrape with someone or, I mean, it, it was right away. It was, it was right where I had left off, mm-hmm. you know? So, so then that played out for a while. And then November 16th, 1991, I, you know, I woke up and I said, this ain't going to work. <laughs> and, uh, I said, that's gotta be it, man. And so I went to a meeting that night and here I am. Did you, um, 
did you have a did you have a sponsor through all of your um, attempts previous and like where you had you tried to go through the steps at all? Because like one thing I didn't put together when I met you the first time and when I was twenty was that um, that this is called a twelve step program. Hence, I might have to do the twelve steps, right? I I looked at it as a meeting based program. And if I just crammed the meetings in and I remember like, uh, you know, what I did back then was I probably would just go talk about my day and, you know, unload all of my uh, shit in a meeting and um, and then not actually do the 12 steps that are the 12 step program. And so did did you have a sponsor when you were in and out? Were you trying to do the steps and then. Is that what happened the last time around, or did you sit in the rooms for quite a while longer and then go through the work? Like, how did that transpire? Yeah, Yeah. so the first time at 15, no sponsor. I was just the young guy. I was the guy that everybody walked up and patted on the shoulder. Man, I wish I would have got this when I was your age. I I hated that. I really hated when people told me that, but anyway. That 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 was the first round. Second round was I did get a sponsor, but... I was not really interested in working the steps Mm -hmm. and provided they were easy steps, like, you know, like one, maybe two, (laughs) and maybe delve into three a touch. (laughs) I was okay with that. Everybody's done one, two, and three. (laughs) (laughs) Fine if this guy's been sitting around for months, just crazy. I'm like, where where are you at? Did one, two, and three. (laughs) So, so my sponsor at that time, his name was Mike and you know, as we'd go have coffee and stuff and, and, and talk about the steps and stuff like that. And I'd shake my head dutifully. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and then it was a short time later that he, he, I found out he was selling his kids Christmas presents. It was around Christmas to go and buy heroin. Mm. And I thought, you know, this AA stuff is a bunch of bullshit. And, you know, look at this guy, this phony bastard. And, uh, so, you know, and I, I started to kind of pick at AA a little Mm -hmm. bit and pick at the people a little bit and maybe to feel a little bit better about myself and maybe to build that escape hatch that I was kind of craving as well. You know, I wasn't done at that time either, even though each time I quit drinking, I, I I knew I was a problem person. Mm -hmm. And so, but the third time. I mean, I was, I was in some trouble and it, well, I was in a lot of trouble in a lot of ways with a lot of people, with everyone. Right. I mean, I, if you knew me, I had stepped on you in some way, either, you know, some small unkindness or, or something pretty <laughs> grievous. Right. Depending on who you were. And anyway, I, I know it's not funny, but, <laughs> um, so I mean, I mean, that, that was the story of my life. Right. And, uh, I forgot where I was going with that, but so yeah, I I did not want that life anymore. Mm-hmm. I did not want that life. And if you told me, go stand on the roof naked, and for you know for twenty four hours and sing a song, all right, man, where's the ladder? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I gotta climb the gutter. All right, I'm climbing the gutter. That's where I was when I got sober in ninety one. I was like, I'll you tell me four step done, fifth step done. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's, that's how I looked at that nine step. Hey, I went and made, uh, I went and made a bunch of amends today. Here's who I went and made amends with. Here's a, you know, my sponsor's like, man, I need other sponsees like you, <laughs> <All right. laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Those are the ones 
I mean, I think that like the the our literature talks about like a jumping off point, and like that's I think I say all the time like where recovery happens, you know, where I'm just about willing to do anything that you tell me. So like when I came into twelve step world, uh, a, a spiritual way of life wasn't really something I was yearning for, but it was like I got nothing. I got nothing left. I've tried everything that I can. So if this is what you're saying it's going to work, then I'll do it. You know, and that, and I remember being four months sober and wanting to die and then reaching that same point where it was just like, I'll do whatever. And then just boom, the next two months, you know, I'm through the work. I'm making amends. Inventory was done in a week and a half. You know, like just something clicked where it was like, I'm, I'll do whatever it is, you know, and then. I see that working with other people today. It's like when you get a guy right there, what I have found is that dude is that dude is going to be okay, you know? And that it's interesting that we just have to get the shit kicked out of us to a point where we're yeah. ready to do that, you know? Yeah. I don't understand it, but Yeah, and don't 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 let me leave you with leave you with some crazy impression where I worked 12 steps in 12 days and voila. Mm-hmm. No, that wasn't the case. I mean, it did come down mm-hmm. to you know, honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. Every time, at every turn, it always came down to that. How honest was I being? How open was I to something different? And what was my level of willingness to go after that thing? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I would I would play around with things in recovery. I'd play around. Yeah, you know, I'm just going to float for a while. And then floating would turn into misery at some point or could turn into misery. And and then it was like, oh, I got man, I got to do something about this. I got to get real here. This is bullshit. Hmm. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Shoot. Well, um, so was that with, um, the one thing, one thing that we talked about yesterday is, so since you did get sober so young, um, you had to grow up. You had to learn. You had almost no life skills, right, when you got here. I mean, we're talking about, you know, you go through the 12 steps and that'll, you know, the drink problem gets removed, but we still have a life problem out there, you know, and if somebody's uh, at a young age like you were and has never taken the time to learn any of those life skills, those are all shit that you had to learn how to do in sobriety, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think one thing, and this is sort of what you were alluding to. And one thing that you talked to me about, I remember when when you were sponsoring me is I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd come through and I'd make some of the main, same mistakes, you know, over and over again. And you, and I remember you telling me like, I think, you know, that some of these things are just like a canister of fuel, man. And they're all different sizes of canisters of fuel, but sometimes we're just not going to be willing to be rid of this stuff or willing to let this stuff go until we have just burned through all of the fuel in that canister. And, um, I was just wondering if you could shed a little bit of light like um, on what that was like trying to grow up, you know, at a at a young age in sobriety and what that sort of looked like for you. Yeah, that's uh, – yeah, so I think m- maybe the first thought I had on this after hearing you say all that is, is I mean – I'm grateful because I had people kind of propping me up while I stumbled around and figured things out, right? Because I truly did not have any skills. Right? I mean, I started drinking it, you know, whatever it was, 13, 12, 13, whatever, and got sobered up at 21. So, yeah, so my childhood was, young childhood I don't recall very well, and then 
drunkenness and then, oh shit, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, so my first thought is, is yes, there were a lot of people propping me up and, 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 and holding me up and, and so that's good. That's good. You know, without those, then, then what's it look like? And uh, probably not very good, right? Alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, so anyway, yeah, this, this idea of, you know, it, so for me, it was not only quitting drinking. When it was time, it was time. And it was like, I just knew it. I was like, that's it. And, but I didn't have that with all these other life things, relationships, uh, work, um, family, um, you know, where are my lines and where do I draw them so you don't cross them and, and all that <laughs> stuff. I mean, <laughs> that, uh, there'd be some people unhappy with that, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had to figure that out, right? And then, and then I have, so, so yeah, so I mean, I was pretty good at turning my life and will over in terms of like A and B, but what about C and D and E, right? And so when, 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 whenever I wasn't turning my life and will over in regards to something and I was trying to manage it or trying to control it, whatever it was, uh, you know, it led to disaster, it led to disaster for me. And so, so I mean, I, I guess probably in some ways it's kind of every drunk's story that has to come to terms with things. But so when it comes to my will, I have a certain amount of will for, for certain things. There's things I won't, I mean, the big book talks about it, right? This I will never give up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, it took burning through all the fuel that supported me being willing to try to manage and control that thing until I was exhausted, till the fuel was gone. And I was like, okay, I, I'm done with that now too. Mm. And so, I mean, that's, that's the that's way it's been with a lot of things. You know, I, I showed up and gosh, dang, I was so immature, and so I didn't. I mean, I didn't. I didn't know anything about anything, right? I truly didn't know anything about anything. I was just, uh, just a mess. Anyway, I don't know if that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I think of like um, the turning the drinking part over to, for me to to a spiritual program is pretty easy. But understanding that, like my financial world can be changed and shaped in a new way and my relationships and my family life like all of those things for whatever reason i have the illusion of control that like yeah oh i'm gonna be okay with this like 12 step stuff is for my drinking problem the rest of this i'm just gonna figure out you know and like you said like eventually trying that and continuing to fail and not having drinking as the reason why anymore i think for me was a big eye opener to realize like oh no i'm just i'm just fucked in in all of my life like i need this all the time in everything otherwise i've got no shot of making it and so yeah burning through the fuel that's a good analogy to like understand my own experience with that is like my finances got worse when i got sober for a while you know yeah. like they it's not like oh i quit drinking and all of a sudden i'm paying my bill like it got worse for a while and then it was finally like i got to do something different about this too you know so kind of having for me it just gives me hope that like uh like our literature talks about this can solve all of my problems and it's not it's not limited to my drinking but it's limited to what i'm willing to put in 
the effort for it. You know, like if I'm willing to have a relationship with God in all of my affairs, this thing is going to work in all of my affairs. But if I'm, if I'm only letting in one part of it, the rest of my life's going to suffer still. So yeah, well, and and all the improvements in my life I came to really through circumstance and never through virtue. I mean, I didn't like show up and say, I want to, you know, I want to do this all right in all compartments of my life. And now, you know, years later, I mean, I look at things that way. That's how I'm kind of tuned now. But, but early on, no, I mean, I, you know, I had to put my hand on the stove and keep it there for a while. Oh, it burned, it burnt me again. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, so Kyle and I had talked about that a little bit, um, that, you know, cause, um, I think it's, I think it's the 12 and 12 talks about pain being, uh, you know, touchstone for spiritual growth, but you know, um, Kyle had started, had the experience and then I'd started to have the experience that, um, um, cause the, the, when, when you had sponsored me the last time after I'd asked another person to be my sponsor, I'd gotten to this thing where I had to be in pain before I was willing to do anything. And it, and it was this real, um, roller coaster sobriety there for for a minute that obviously didn't turn out so well or maybe it did i don't know but um but like we're we're finding out now is that we don't have to get to that level of pain before we're willing to do something about it and to get into action and i just you had sort of just mentioned that that's not really your mo today is that what you find yourself being proactive about like uh spiritual action today so that you don't have to get to that point or is it still to the point where you've just got to be you know done before you're willing to do anything about it no no yeah certainly not the latter um you know it's like it goes back to you know kind of simple things do you want to be right or do you want to be happy Mm -hmm. i mean even that can save my butt my my butt on on something on any given day but, I mean, I just have, I think if I was just going to refine it all the way down, I just don't have the tolerance like I used to have for m- misery, mm-hmm. unhappiness, uh, dissatisfaction, um, contempt. Whatever those things are that can make my day miserable and then lead into something bigger. I just don't have much tolerance for it anymore. And so, you know, practicing, you know, it comes down to for me is, is, you know, whether you're going to meetings every day, three times a day, never going to meetings, whatever, it's about practicing principles. And so, I mean, that's, I mean, I very, very much look at life that way today is practicing principles, you know, telling the truth, showing up when I'm going to, when I say I'm going to show up, sharing a kindness and, and, and holding my tongue when I think I need to, you know, say something that's not kind. Um, and you can, you can go down that list. And so, I mean, the more I, the more I, uh, let's call it practice, I guess, the more I practice that, the easier it is the surer and swifter the reward is and and the greater likelihood I return to it, you know. And, and it's what's funny is when I, if I stop doing that, which I've done many times in my recovery, many times I've done that. And it's kind of funny because, like, right now I can sit here at this table and I can, I can know if I do things, you know, one through three today, I'm going to have a pretty good day. 
But let's say I start backsliding a little. And let's say it's a week from now. I can, it's almost like I can barely recall one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like they've gone away, man. And then I got to be like, uh, you know, open the book. What was one again? Ah, man. Why am I yawning every time I read a sentence? And uh, so, I mean, you know, I, you know, I think it's making things habitual. You know, just being habitual. So I don't know if that's a... Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's a good segue into... Because I was going to ask, because your meeting attendance isn't at... A, Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) So I was just curious, what's that? What's that look like? Because the common misconception, and I don't know, maybe that's too strong, but a lot of people have a varying view of what meeting attendance applies to your recovery life. What is, how do you kind of navigate the world without a ton of meetings? Or or any meetings, Right. right? Yeah, yeah. I, d- I didn't want to overshare if you no, wanted no, you to no, talk no, about that's it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, I think it, it goes back to what I just kind of mentioned is practicing principles. Mm-hmm. And do, do, do I have to be sitting in a meeting from noon to 1 in order at for me at 1.15 to be able to act in a certain way? No, I don't believe that anymore. Right. I, don't, I don't buy that. Obviously, I don't subscribe to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've had varying opinions on this, obviously, right? I mean, I had, I mean, I had thirty days, sixty days, ninety days, six months, one year, five years. I mean, I, they're not doing it right. They're not going to meetings. Yeah, they're going to drink. Yeah. What's wrong with them? What's their? Well, I didn't know. I, you know, I didn't know what their life was like. I didn't know what was really going on, but I, I sure had some opinions about it. Yeah, and, you know, I was like, uh, you know, that basically it came down to they're not doing it right. Yeah. You know. And then I'd sit there with my arms folded and in a meeting, and I'm doing it right. Yeah. And uh, preaching to the choir here, yeah, man. it's like I think we've all had that experience. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know. And I would wonder, you know, at, at at different points in my recovery, you know, at different milestones for me, you know, what is their life like? What is their uh, what is going on? And uh, and. I guess where I'm at for me now is, I mean, I just don't, I don't know how to put it any other way than I just don't really feel all that compelled to be going to meetings. Mm-hmm. I, if there's not some big thing laying behind it, like, oh, these two guys over at this meeting, all they do is talk trash and I can't stand them. Or, I mean, those, I don't have those thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's just, I just don't feel compelled to go to meetings. Um, I mean, I practice the principles. I am honest in my dealings. I uh, uh, I do my very best to treat people good on a daily basis, and that's everyone. That's not that's not just like the people I like or the people I live with or whatever. But you know, people I I talk to at work, um, at at home, uh, friendships. Um, People I barely know, uh, just just trying to live by the golden rule and, and, and treat them good. And generally, I feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that thing about like what Abe Lincoln said. You want to know about my religion? My religion is is when I do good, I feel good. When I do bad, I feel bad. And I, so it's kind of like been refined down to that 
a, a little bit. Um, I, I think the thing I'm missing out on, to be honest with you, by not going to meetings, I think it, there's probably only like one or two things I'm missing out on. Mm-hmm. And one would be the fellowship, yeah, kinda. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and two and two is passing on to someone else what I got. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and that, the idea of being of service. And, and so I have it justified away now where like, hey, I'm, I'm of service in my life. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't look at my work life like it's work. I look at it like I'm a, of service. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm helping this guy over in this state do this thing, and this is the thing he wants, and so we're going to get this done. And, hey, you know, how, how'd that turn out? Are we good? Man, it's great, Dan. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I look at my work like that. I look at my home life like that. And, and, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not walking around wearing, like, the Pope's robe here or nothing. <laughs> Uh, you know, laundry can stack up with me too, but, uh, but being of service at home, you know, and, and, and maybe what I mean by that is, is going back to something you were saying, and that is cutting people some slack. We live with three teenagers, cutting them some slack. Being a teenager is hard, man. And, and not, you know, holding my tongue on that first thought and, and then circling back with being the best Dan and saying, Hey, what, you know, what's going on, man? You all right? Hey, I, how are things, you know? Hey, Hey, want to go do this? Hey, want to run over here with me and get this and maybe we'll stop at Starbucks, you know, and try to find ends, try to find ways in instead of, you know, being a big selfish dickhead. But anyway, one of the things um, when you were sponsoring me, you were pretty pretty in on this medi- uh, or on this meditation kick. You were, I mean, really finding some renewed enthusiasm for your prayer and meditation, and then um, also you were sort of exploring some. Uh, I don't know if you were exploring spiritual philosophies, but I remember going down to a metaphysical church down in Denver with you and Amber and I did there, and it, and it was cool and it was something that that I could. I remember my friend Jeff was like. You went to a church because I was just so, uh, I didn't want anything to do with anything that might be considered organized religion. And even though this was a pretty non-traditional, I mean, it was a non, you know, anyway. Um, And so what I was wondering is what is your meditation world uh, look like now? And like, do you uh, openly seek like spiritual philosophies or are you just sort of, I don't know, doing what you're doing and whatever comes into your realm is whatever comes into your realm. Does that make sense? No, no, that's, yeah, that's a really good way to put it, too. And I remember when we went, it was a Mile High Church of Denver. Yeah. And uh, we go pulling in, and I had a, I had a BMW at the time, an M5. M5. (laughs) And uh, we go pulling in there, and and Aaron was asking about the church and stuff. We go pulling in the parking lot, and there's like a, BMW, 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 Mercedes, Mercedes, <laughs> Porsche. And he's like, oh, I see now. <laughs> I was like, no, dude, it really ain't like that. And then I was like, is it? <laughs> like, this is clearly, these are the people that are getting it right, <laughs> judging by the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so no, I really dig that church. I like it a lot. I, I like that it's not, you know, old and stuffy, or what I would call old and stuffy. And it's kind of like, you know, I mean, you know, having a drum set on the dais, I don't know about that either, but I, you know, it's all right. And 
but I like the message. I, I like the way they br- present the message. I like, uh, I dig it. I haven't been back in a while. Uh, we we went a few times, and then you know it's a trek to yeah. go down to Denver, and then you know with Fran, I'll go to. Uh, she belongs to the Episcopalian Church, and so I'll go over there. And at first, I was kind of like you. I was like, man, this is you know. I was I was like, I would grab that little red book, you know, because they're like Catholic light or something. <laughs> and I would open that book up, and I'd be like, read this, you know. I'm like, this is what? I mean, this sounds so medieval and uh, irrelevant. Or look at I'm trying to brainwash people with this. And then and then I thought, no, Dan, you're kind of missing the point here. And the point is, is you're sitting in church, and it's nice and quiet, and you're here with your wife, whom you like very much, and it's just nice. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be, you know, you know, you know what, what's the Pope covering up today? It doesn't have to go there, uh, although I've gone there many times, right? But So it doesn't have to go there, and it's about, you know, for me, being in that moment and not having to sit there and pick something apart, yeah. you know? And so, insofar as, like, current meditation or books or, or, or philosophies or, um, man, I don't even remember what I was reading back then. I can barely recall it. You know, I've delved into a bunch of stuff. And, and for me, it's always been about just trying to be open-minded. That's all. You know, if I pick something up, cool. Uh, if, 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 if it's not ringing any bells, all right, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, but now what I'm doing is, I mean, so I'm working out a lot more than I used to. And that is a time where I bring in, you know, like practicing just like the quiet mind, just hearing the breath, just hearing the breath and that's it. Just hearing the breath and then letting, you know, whatever come to the surface or whatever thought and just kind of, you know, just look at that one. Hey, what's, you know, what's going on? Ah, throw that, throw, throw that one aside and wait for the next one or, and, uh, but I mean, so that's kind of where my meditation comes in is when I exercise. And it's also, you know, when you're, when you're busy with family work and everything else, you fit things in. Right. So that kind of fits there. Good. And then the prayer, the prayer stuff is pretty, low key and pretty quick for me in the morning. Thank you. And at night, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, saying, saying thank you before it all gets started and, and thank you when I'm going to sleep. And then, and then of course, if there's, you know, some, something I'm thinking on or something I want to be better at or, or whatever, you know, throwing that in. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've been running a lot over the last like two months six weeks or so and that's six days i, I used to yeah six right hours. i've been running like <laughs> for the last six weeks quite a bit but that's what i've been i used to think that was what people like oh i'm like running is almost meditative and i'm like well that's just because they don't sit down and meditate you know right. but what i found is that's the truth is like i like i ran for 45 minutes this morning and it was like no thought, very calm, like things come and go. I'm not latching on to stuff. You know, it was very meditative. And uh, what I'm finding is like I'm, I'm much more peaceful after that too, and I'm sure that's just because I'm physically tired, but my mind is much more at rest too. And so I, I can relate now where before I was 
contempt prior to investigation. I mean, I've run before, but not at long lengths. And it's like, ah, yeah, whatever. But well, now I'm finding like there's very, very much truth to that. So. Well, you know, and those, those, the, the yogis and, and those people that meditate and they've, they've hooked them up to biometrics and stuff. And they're like, oh, hey, look, man, I mean, the endorphins are rushing in and mm-hmm. their heart rate's down or, or they're, you know, controlling their, you know, biology, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the case. Well, I mean, exercise, I'm not a yogi. Right. right. So I can't just sit here and, you know, mind like whatever and and change my biometrics. But when I exercise, my biometrics change and then the endorphins come out and mm-hmm. then it's more, you know, mm-hmm. uh, chill stream of thought or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, it's very much a... One of these idiot dogs sits in front of the dog door and won't let the other one out. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Uh, do you read any spiritual literature today like is there i know you said that you get into quite a bit of stuff and i kind of have the same philosophy where my intention behind reading it is just to remain open-minded so if i find something that i'm like that doesn't sound that doesn't correlate with what i think then i'm more inclined to read it just to kind of try to remain open-minded is there anything that you're reading now or some i ask all of our guests like what's some powerful literature just because i'm always interested so so there's uh so what I've been doing a lot of now is because I'll drive over to Salt Lake for work or, you know, fly to wherever mm-hmm. for work. And so I've been doing a lot of Audible. Yes. And uh, and so I just kind of, I must have to refresh the app or something. Anyway, so now, I mean, it's just whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just whatever. It's not necessarily spiritual. Yeah. It's not necessarily you know, workout stuff mm-hmm. or it's not necessarily anything. I, so I read a really good book and I, and I actually wanted to mention it, but it talks about habits and, uh, the habit loop mm-hmm. and, uh, and they cite Alcoholics Anonymous in it. Oh, really? Oh, wow. And they talk about the habit loop being broken. Mm. Now the habit loop gets broken in people and, uh, and how their life is significantly changed thereafter. And and so, yeah, I'm kind of recalling some of this now. So they took and they tried to utilize some of the same things that AA had on groups of people and to, to see if a change would occur and if it was a sustained change. Mm-hmm. And what they found was, was yes, they could have a change occur with them psychologically, emotionally, whatever, but it was not sustained. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't figure it out. And, and what the author tended to believe by the end of this was that the thing that Alcoholics Anonymous had, that, that most of the other things you have at your disposal now for, for, for change or whatever, they lack this idea of belief hmm. lack the idea of belief wow. and the believing the believing is the glue or the medium which all the other stuff floats around in and can work and can be sustained wow. that's and the x factor that's, that's cool. the x factor is believing yeah came you, to believe baby and i was like <laughs> yeah I, was like, I know about this one but. you'll have to let me know what that's called yeah yeah i'm curious yeah oh dude that sounds book good. is excellent yeah. so, and it's they go into i mean yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's awesome. I read a I read a whole book on willpower one time. 
and uh, no, this was during in, sobriety. No, this was in sobriety. Really? Yeah. Uh, this time around? Yeah. Just okay. I don't know, maybe a year ago. Oh, okay. And because uh, I was looking for books on, um, I can't remember, like <laughs> strengthening your mind or something like that. So it was a whole book on willpower, and uh, it, was, it was it sounded like a lot of life hacks. And I was like, you know, some of it I was buying it, then I was starting to buy more of it, and I was like, okay. And then uh, it talked a lot about that we have just a set amount of energy in our brain and basically everything we do is using a little bit of that. And so use your brain time wisely. But then it got to they also cited Alcoholics Anonymous and that they thought that why it worked was because um, people belonged to a group and had some sort of accountability. And it was just a bunch Mm. of stuff that I didn't. I mean, if that would have worked for me, I would have got her in 1996. You know what I mean? And like, um, cause you know, I experienced, I, I see the world entirely different than I used to, you know, this is why I get to be here today. And in any way. And so like, because I questioned what he had had to say about 12 step meetings and it was something about excess, you know, like meeting attendance being the key and mm. seeing the same people every day. And that might help people at mm. the beginning, you know, and I understand that, you know, um, for new people to you know get here and see people every day but like that wasn't the long-lasting solution that i found here and so once once he came up with that philosophy and theory i was like the rest of this book is bullshit <laughs> <laughs> i was like you don't know what you're talking about you're shooting in the dark you know some something else happened to in a podcast i was listening to and somebody else was mentioning something along the same line and i'm like wrong this guy's an idiot this entire chapter throw it out (laughs) yeah yeah so anyway that's all you know going back to what you asked about not going to meetings i mean if i was going to refine it down to one one sentence Mm -hmm. i'm happy yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) i mean that's it i'm happy i mean i mean does that mean that you know when my ass is falling off i'm going to run back to it or not run back to it or i I mean i don't think in those terms really Mm -hmm. it doesn't doesn't cross my mind that way you know the other thing too is uh you, you struck a chord with me and I just kind of lost mm. it there. So, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I used to, and I talk about this all the time, but I'll, I used to say all the time and perceive the world that if you're experienced in mere mind, one of us was probably doing it incorrectly. And I would tend to think it was you because I just think I'm doing it right. You know? Yeah, and, yeah. and what I've found more and more and what I believe in more and more is like, uh, the end, the end game for recovery isn't to be a big book thumper and a guy that's just always there and just working with every, like the end game is to be an active member of society and a part of a, like, you know what I mean? Like my perceptions changed. And so what I think is everybody gets their own experience with that. And so some people in order to do that, they, they think they need to go to seven meetings a week or whatever. Yeah. And what I, I did. Yeah, exactly. I did. I did for a long time. I went time. to 21 meetings a week yeah. sometimes, three, three times a day, morning, lunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Early sobriety, I was going to two meetings a day at least, yeah. you know. And then now today, it's like I, I get a lot of purpose from working with other people, so I spend the majority of my time doing that. And, and I might make a meeting a week, you know. I'm For the last three weeks, I haven't been to one except for my home group one time. So... It's like, but old me would have been like, dude, what are you doing? You know, yeah. and I think that's just a bunch of, that's just me trying to comprehend and understand and make things make sense in my mind. And it's like, I don't, 
I don't need to do that. Like if a guy can go to no meetings and is happy and healthy, I love that. Like that's my goal. You know, (laughs) that's the goal is to be able to like participate in life and not need to be accountable. You know what I mean? Like my, so I totally understand it. I love it. I think it's great. And I don't think, I don't think there's a right way to do it anymore. I think everyone gets their own experience. Yeah. It's like, you know, Aaron and I were talking about this before about progress and perfection. And I was, much more interested in the perfection part than the progress part, right? right? Right. And so, yeah, obviously I had impossible, you know, held people to to impossible levels, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and then the thing you're talking about, I, I remember what it was now about this willpower thing, you know, and, and I mean, I have a different view on it than I used to have in recovery, you know, because I remember when I thought any will, scrub it out, <laughs> That shit don't work, right? <laughs> yeah. Get it all out. We got to get rid of all of it. Yeah. And but I don't buy that anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't get it. The big book talks about it, and it mm-hmm. says the uh, correct use of will is to bend it to meet with God's purpose for us, or to align it with God's intention for us, something mm-hmm. like that, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, if 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 I want to. I mean, I just need to check. I just need to check against a few things on a checklist to see if something's okay to do. And I don't really need to go asking around very much, do mm-hmm. I? I mean, is this going to harm someone else? Is this going to take something away from someone else? Is this going to make someone else feel like shit? Is this an uh, 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 irresponsible use of my finances? Is this a, you know, go down the checklist and there's a little bit of a different checklist for each item, but they're somewhat similar. And, and if it don't, I mean, all right, let's do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. So, oh, I don't know. I love it. So you've, um, I mean, you've been sober a long time and have experienced a lot of challenges over that time. But, uh, the one I want to talk about is the one that you've set out for yourself right now. And that's the, you're, uh, you have a goal to compete in a Ironman distance triathlon coming up. Cause we also like to, so like one of the reasons why we started this podcast is, um, you know, and, and look, and sometimes like I was telling you yesterday, sometimes people show up for this podcast and they say, Hey, look, I need to tell you, I'm not in a very good space right now. Things aren't very good and I'm struggling a little bit. And that's, that's life. We know that that's life. And I know everybody gets it, but like what the, the narrative Kyle and I were always hearing was like, this is a, this is a daily fight and it's always hard and it's always going to be hard. And we were like, Oh no, man, we're loving it. We're loving it. And we want to talk about, we want to talk about that a little bit more. And we want to represent that a little bit. And so like one of the things we like to ask people is like what they're doing now, what they're passionate about now, what they have going on in their life, what kind of, you know, goals and challenges they're experiencing now. And like, you've taken on a big one, like just, you, you wrote a hundred mile, you did it like a century is like a thing for, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to ride, like, you know, completing a century is a thing. And I mean, I rode 60 miles that day and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> There's a before <laughs> and after picture and it's not good. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but, uh, so you've already conquered the century and like you're struggling to get over some knee problems and you've never really uh you know swam at all but you've like taken on this goal of competing yeah. this triathlon that's pretty cool yeah. how's that going like when like what you just you're just ready for another challenge or i mean i get it what I'm are just, the distances too just for because yeah. i don't know so i'm betting other yeah. people might not know to kind of get so, a real picture so yeah so no i'm glad you brought this up because this is i mean it goes back to what you said kyle it's it's not about sitting 
sitting, and I'm not bashing going to meetings. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. But it's, it's there, you know, a good friend of mine used to say life is like a buffet. If you keep taking your plate up there and just getting baby corns, that's all you're ever going to eat. It's just baby corns, and you know, there's a lot of other stuff up there if you if you're interested, you know, if you want to try something. And so, and but for many years, man, I just ate baby corns, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Stay in my lane, go to a meeting, drink the coffee, have the cigarette, go home, and wonder if shit was going to work out for mm-hmm. me, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so so. I get to participate now. I get to participate. And that same good friend used to tell me, you know, I'd be like, oh, man, I got to do this. And she'd be like, no, you get to do mm-hmm. this. And I'd be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, now I'm like, yeah, I get to, right? And so so anyway, the Ironman is, I think it's 2.4 swim, wow. 112 on a bike, and a marathon. So <laughs> all at one time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, like, yeah. not over the course of a week. Right. That's <laughs> all in a day. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. So, so the knees are, knees are doing good. Okay. And, uh, been, been running five or six times a week, which is too much mm-hmm. probably yeah. Yeah. along with, you know, stationary bike and, and I've kind of cut swimming out now that running is taken back off Yeah. and I got to bring that back in. But anyway, I like that you bring that up and, and so, and and this isn't like, Oh, Hey, look at me. This is, this is, Hey, I want to do things. I want to experience things. I want to, I mean, I want to live life more fully. You know, I don't, I wasted a lot of time, you know, worried. Oh, what's Kyle going to think about this? Mm -hmm. And what's Aaron going to think? What are they going to say? What are those guys saying about this? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or, and that's just an example, but so right now I'm, uh, I'm getting an MBA. I'm going to CSU. Um, I've been taking two classes at a time. I'm going to pare that down to one class at a time, which goes against my alcoholic nature. (laughs) I'd like to take five classes at a time if possible. Run a marathon every day and work (laughs) 16 hours. (laughs) So I'm going to pare that down to one one class at a time and it's going to take me a little longer to do, but then I can budget my time to, to work out and prepare myself and, and not, not do it in May, but do it in November, do Mm -hmm. the Ironman in November and work my way towards it with some more, you know, maybe do a sprint with Aaron, Mm -hmm. um, maybe, maybe Olympic size, uh, some open water swimming down in Colorado and, and, and get ready. Like literally get ready and, and have a full year. It's in November. And uh, I mean, I put myself out there at work, you know, which is weird, right? And I didn't ever know how to do that. And, and, and I'm not like a good self-promoter. Like, hey, look at me, man. I've done all this stuff. Don't you think that's great? And, you know, can I get some more money? Or I'm not really good at that stuff. And so I, I just always just kind of apply the like the workman ethos or the, the good little AA ethos, just keep plugging away, be in that little train, show up every day, do a good job, be a participator Mm -hmm. and good shit will have no choice but to happen. I still believe that, but I also believe that in the real world, if you're going to uh, advance your cause, you gotta, you know, you gotta get out there and say, Hey, I'm at least interested. Everyone Mm -hmm. over here, Mm -hmm. my name's Dan. Right. And so I started doing that too. And I, I don't know where it's going to go. And, you know, like a good drunk, I'll be like, ah, oh, I want to rule the world, right? right I wanna, yeah. That's 
Where, where do you want this to go, Dan? Well, I want to be the emperor. Yes. Or, or never mind, man. Yes. I'll just go back to, can I just clean the toilets? And you, you know. <laughs> yes. And so, so the best thing for me right now is just not to think about that and just let, here, God, you got this one, and I'm not even yeah. going to toy with it. Mm-hmm. So, What kind of uh, running are you doing training-wise? Because I am doing a half marathon in April, and so I, like we were talking about before we started recording, I read a bunch of research on how to run a sub two hour half marathon. And I was like, have all these pictures and diagrams. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to run. I'm going to trust my judgment. And as I get closer, I'll start to kind of dial in more, but I'm six months out from doing it. What kind of running are you doing to get ready for a marathon? That's easy, easy answer for me. And right now it's almost like testing the knees out and making sure they're good Mm -hmm. and, and not really, I'm a year out from the Ironman. Yeah. Now I'm going to try to do some, like a half marathon mm-hmm. or like the Cheyenne marathon right. at the end of next summer. Yeah. And so I'll start looking at how to ramp into that mm-hmm. and, and be ready for it. Uh, but right now it's all about uh, circuit training and then either do some core or not do some core and then run. Mm-hmm. And I generally run no, no less than three miles mm-hmm. and it's on a treadmill. Yeah. And, uh, so I've recently kicked that up to four miles and just a little over four miles per run. Mm -hmm. I'm getting, I mean, I feel it. I'm getting stronger. I'm getting a little bit, you know, I, I do a little more interval action than before and Mm -hmm. crank the speed up another mile an hour for 15, 20 minutes and then knock it back down. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty, that's it. Yeah. I mean, there's no, I don't have a chart on the wall, although I feel like I should have a chart on the wall. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's how I was. But then I just went back to what you're doing, which was like, I'm going to run when I feel good. I'm going to, you know, like I'm, I made a commitment. I'm going to run three times a week for one of those is going to be like a pace setter. I'm going to run at X amount of speed to try to get three miles done under in a 24 minute pace. And then, Everything else, like I, I was going to try to run eight miles today. I wasn't feeling it, so I ran like four and a half. But it was like I'm, it's much more freeing than trying to hold myself to the, mm. the, sta- the standard yeah. that I downloaded yeah. on the Internet. And like I feel good, though, you know, and I'm feeling like I'm getting stronger and better and healthier. And I don't know. Because, because what happens with me is if I don't make that eight-mile run, then I quit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, right. Well, and I told I everyone. Failed. I told Clean in the toilets. Yeah. And I told Aaron, hey, I'm going to try to run eight miles on Sunday, so I'll let you know how it goes. And then it's like, well, shit, now I'm a failure. Aaron's going to think I'm a pussy because I can't yeah, do yeah. it. And yeah, right. Like, oh, yeah, no, it's okay. Like, I didn't feel like I could do eight miles today, so I didn't even try. Yeah. I just went with what I could do. And yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of freedom in it when it's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's the oh, yeah. act of doing it, not so much the end result of like, look at me, I can do this thing. Yeah. There's a lot of for me, growth in that, which is weird to like not hold myself to this insane standard that I'm going to try to accomplish this. And if I don't, I'm a failure. And I don't know. It's nice. I'm enjoying it. I like that. And what it says to me and what it reminds me of for me is just that idea of just being in the moment Mm -hmm. and not having this catalog of shit I need to get accomplished in order to feel, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, and I, and I, I mean, I, I see where I apply that in my life too. Not, not just on the treadmill, not just on the hamstring machine, whatever the case is, but 
you know, sitting in the family room with the entire family watching a program that probably I'm not really would not generally watch by myself. <laughs> Lifetime movie network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just being like, you know what, man? Just looking around the room, being like, yeah, this is good. This Absolutely. is good. I like this. This this kid's looking at their phone. This one's doing their homework. The you know, Fran and the other one, they're watching the program, and I'm just kind of here, mm-hmm. and I dig it. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, it, I think it applies. I think on the running thing, I'm, I'm, and I think I told Aaron this a while back. So I'm going. The one thing I would say is I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm going slow. Mm-hmm. I'm going slow, and I'm staying in heart rate zone two, mm-hmm. and I'm going to build in zone two, and then some interval stuff at the tail, and then depending on on what the taper looks like for an event. Mm-hmm. But going because they, they say that in heart rate zone two. There's this vast room for improvement athletically, mm-hmm. right? So, so the example is if I run 10 miles today and my heart rate is 125 beats a minute and I practice staying in that zone and running that, six weeks from now, I'll run 10 miles, but my heart rate will be 115, and my, but yet my, I will improve my time mm-hmm. and that, that's what I've been reading. So that's, I'm trying and it's tough, man. It's tough training like long and slow. Cause you're like, Oh my God. Right. <laughs> and yeah. for people that ask, that just want the payoff all the time too. I mean, it's yeah, hard yeah. to do something that yeah. takes discipline. Yeah. 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 More discipline than I would have thought too. Cause I'm like, well, I can just run at a real slow pace and I'll feel fine. And after like a mile, I'm like, all right, let's ramp this thing. You know, it's hard to just stay yeah. disciplined. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really a challenge. So this, this book I was reading, this said, the dude said, just check your ego at the door. Just mm-hmm. check your ego. Don't, you're not there to, you know, impress the ladies or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, whatever. And just do, apply this, apply this principle towards your workout. Yeah, that's tough that's to do, awesome. especially when you're uploading them them workouts to Strava. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what are people gonna think about this? Right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I was listening. To, I can't remember what it was, but I was like, okay, I haven't even the longest I've ever ran before. I started running regularly to try to train for this. Probably like two and a half, three miles. I played soccer, but right. just running to run, like without a game, just running to run. Probably two and a half, three miles. And so now for six weeks, I've been running, and already. I heard someone talking about the Boston Marathon, and I was like, all right, I can run it. I'm going to shoot for a three-hour, <laughs> ten-minute. And I was <laughs> like, dude, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Just run to run. You can't even run eight miles yet. Just <laughs> shut up and enjoy the process of yeah. it. But, like, it's it's really nice to be in that place, like, and not – because I would have quit earlier. I've been like, well, I'm done. I'm so Half marathon's not for me. So I go – so back when I was swimming, you know, a little bit, I went to the pool, and so I, I was doing this funny thing where I'd drive over to the pool, and I'd be like, swimming is fun. Swimming is fun. I love swimming, right? So I walk in, and, and there's this guy swimming a lap, and he's just finishing the lap, and he pops his head up, and I'm like, I'm like hey, how's it going, man? He goes, I'm fucking miserable. I just broke out laughing, and then he dipped his head under the water, and back he went the other way, and I thought, yeah, this is fucking miserable. <laughs> <laughs> That's like your story when you were starting to swim again. You sat in the parking lot yeah. for like 15 minutes, like, I got to go in, I got to go in, yeah. I got to go in. It was crazy. Like, it was the, the cool thing about when I did that sprint triathlon is the things that I had got from it 
the fear I got to overcome in doing it. Cause that first time I went swimming and I swam in high school, I'm comfortable in the pool. But that first time I went back and I sat in the parking lot in the dark parking lot over there in the middle of the park. And I was afraid to go in and I was like sitting there psyching myself up for about 10 minutes to go in that pool. And then, yeah, same thing. And I walk in and it's just, <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's Not fun. Awesome. But swimming is pretty miserable, though, honestly. I mean, for a guy that did it in high school, you know, you can't listen to music and you just hear the water sloshing in your ears and the bleh, bleh, bleh. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not the funnest. And sport you know, the, to do. I mean, and so the other thing, too, and this just kind of, this just kind of struck me is, I mean, this is all comes back to that I get to, right? Mm hmm. I mean, I'm not some Boston marathoner, but I get to go to the I get to go to the gym and run for an hour and not very far, mm -hmm. and leave the gym really sweaty and feeling pretty damn good, like uh, it's really good natural high, right? Absolutely. Yeah, compared to that 21 year old kid that you know maybe shouldn't even be here, right? I That's mean, right. If a uh, guy doesn't uh, you know open up a, wa a window of opportunity for me or for really any of us, because I don't know if you've ever heard of Kyle's story, but. Sounds like you guys drink a lot of like, and um, yeah. And when you were talking about drinking, I was like, "This sounds just like <laughs> <laughs> like young kid, reckless from the start, just oh, chaos." Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. For me to be able to sit here, you know, in this in this home that we're doing in this in, and I don't know, I get to today. Yeah, yeah. Right, you know, and it's not, I think it, that's one of the reasons why we wanted to. I don't know, have this podcast to talk about that because I need that. Even though I, you know, I'm sitting here doing this. I need that. It's easy for me this year, time of year to get caught up in how much I'm working and, and trying to manage my time and do all yeah. those things that understand no, all of this is a gift. The work, the the running on the weekends to get caught up, you know, not mm -hmm. feeling great. It's all good stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. all those things I get to do. Absolutely. Cool, man. Yeah, we're like an hour and 10 minutes in. We're pretty far in. Do you have any other questions, anything you want to go over before we wrap it up no i think that if because kyle always talks about that i pretty much only speak in analogies but <laughs> talking to you is where that's I mean, where I, that's what i was thinking is where you get it from yeah you have some absolutely he does they're they're fantastic yeah. and so he speaks to me in analogies and that's great that's my language i know exactly <laughs> what he's talking about but yeah. i do it with the guys i'm working on with all the time i'm always using something like look man you know if you're just used to hitting fastballs and you've just been hitting fastballs and then somebody comes up and they start throwing curveballs it's gonna be blah, 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 you know and yeah. I'm just making that thing so but i just wanted to i don't know i just you're, you've always been very um insightful and spiritually intuitive and uh like when you and I talk, I have to be careful because we can talk for a long time oh, yeah. every time we talk. Yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm just glad that, uh, you know, Dan and I talk, we're talking a little bit, but um, what, what happened is, I don't want to give too much of this away because of, you know, where I work, but Dan had a close encounter with a, uh, a coworker of mine and he, and he called me up to ask about how to proceed with that. And it was through that that I was like, oh, you're riding a bike, huh? And then we started doing, you know, talking about this thing. And since then, we've been in pretty regular contact. So mm -hmm. I always like to think the reason why that incident happened wasn't so that you could, you know, find some sort of resolution yeah, yeah. there. It was yeah. so that we could reconnect. And awesome. I don't know. I just appreciate you, you know, regardless of the, you know, I, you know I've, known, I've known you since I was 20 years old. So that's yeah. over half my life, man. So I appreciate you. And thanks for coming on today. I really, I do value you. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's the only thing. Um and that bums me out about not seeing you around as much is because you have so oh, much. Here we go. No, no, you have so much value. You <laughs> That's have what so I was much thinking. experience, man. But I was thinking as you were talking, 
I still get to get that. I get to get that, you know, like yeah, with our conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So anyway. That's what I was thinking was, yeah, it, you'd very insightful. Because you and I, we've, I think, crossed paths one time before is yeah. all. We've never interacted. But in an hour, I'm like, I, I love this guy. He's, he's one of my people, you know. He thinks the way I think, experiences life the same way. So thanks for being on it and, and being open and sharing your experience yeah. and it's awesome. I really, really appreciate it. So yeah, thanks yeah. for having me, man. It's been, it was good. Yeah, it's, good. it's fun. Hell yeah. Recovered AF podcast on Instagram. Yep. Recovered AF podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. All right. Thanks again, Dan.